This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the Word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the show, the Tuesday edition. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. And this is, as the announcer just told you, the word to stand on for life. It is a program dedicated to taking your phone calls and answering your Bible questions or questions about things going on in your life, whatever's on your heart. I believe with all of my heart that the Bible covers it. So all you have to do is call us. You can dial 210-340-9585. That's 340-9585. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR, numerically at 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com, or you can send your questions in with our free Calvary Chapel of San Antonio mobile app. If you are driving in your car, the safest way to call is use the free KSLR mobile app. Just hit the call now banner at the top of the screen. You'll be connected directly to our studio producer. Well, it's Tuesday, so we got nothing to announce. Let me get right to some questions. Uh, The first question is one that I ended with very quickly in yesterday's program from Brian. And it was, he said, Thomas doubted Jesus We know that, but did he still go to heaven when he died? And answered the question very easily. Yes, he did. He was an apostle. God used him marvelously. Uh, Thomas is the uh, apostle who was responsible for taking the gospel to India. And um, um, wonderful ministry there. And there's a lot of of, uh, early church history that talks about Thomas's ministry. There is a gospel according to Thomas. It's not a gospel written by God, but uh, it is a, a gospel account of some of the things that Jesus uh, was able to use him to do. So, um, yes, no doubt he's in heaven. Now, here's why I wanted to hold it over for today. Um, Thomas gets a really bad rap. You know, we call him Doubting Thomas, and somebody doubts somebody else. Oh, you're a Doubting Thomas. I mean, We've even made English expressions using it. But Thomas, you'll remember, was the one of all of the others. Peter, big, strong Peter, all of the others. Thomas was the only one when Jesus said, we're going to Jerusalem. And the others tried to talk him out of it. Thomas said, well, if you're going there, we might as well go and die with you. He was willing to do that. Thomas was brave. Thomas had courage. And I think, Brian, the reason that Thomas doubted Jesus was just the the, the sense of, of his broken heart. I think he loved Jesus so much after watching the pain, the suffering, the, the savage beating that he went through. After seeing him give up his spirit on that cross, I think it was just too much for him. And I think like many of us, we find ourselves from time to time in a place where if one more bad thing happens, I just can't take it. I think that's where Thomas was. Now, Thomas missed out on a week. A week doesn't sound like a lot. But that was probably the worst week of his life. And had he been in fellowship with the others, he would have been there when Jesus appeared through the walls and, and he wouldn't have missed out. So he, he, he missed a week. And it was a week that would have been miserable, a week that the enemy would have been trying to destroy him. But still, when Thomas was there and Jesus appeared again. Jesus said, touch and see. And he didn't. He fell on his face and said, my Lord and my God. So this wasn't a lack of faith, Brian, when Thomas doubted. It was just a broken heart. And uh, Thomas 
was a um, brave guy, brave guy. That's what I wanted to say. didn't have time to say it at the end of the program yesterday. Here is an anonymous question. How should I view the rise in prophecy links to the things that are going on in the world right now? Do you believe we're approaching the return of Jesus? Uh, anonymous, I'm not quite sure what you mean by the rise in prophecy links. Um, if, you, if you're getting people sending you things and you're linking to them on the internet, I think those prophecy links and prophecy updates have been going on all over, all, all along. I, I don't think this is anything new. Um, I think that uh, prophecy has always been a part of, of a serious Bible scholar's life. Uh, at the same time, uh, it is a part of our faith that gets abused. You know, you got the guys that read the newspaper with one hand and the Bible with the other hand, and they're always trying to say, well, this means this and this means this. Um, so, so I don't think the rise in prophecy links, if I understand correctly, I don't think that uh, is symptomatic of Jesus' return. Now, having said that, I believe with every fiber of my being that Jesus is getting ready to come for his church. I, I honestly get up, and it's not one of those things, okay, Lord, I think today's the day. But I pray today could be the day. And you know, if we're looking for the return of Jesus, and we're going to be living our lives so that when he comes, we're going to be found faithful. Remember, he said, when, I, when the Son of Man returns to the earth, will he find faith on the earth? Well, I don't know about the earth, but I want him to find faith in me. And Anonymous, I think it's so important to keep our eyes spiritually focused on the soon return of Jesus Christ. Now, let me tell you what I do believe is the view or things that sort of point to Jesus' return that are going on in the world. I mean, look at the situation we're in now, just with COVID-19. In my lifetime, there's never been one thing that has plagued the entire earth at the same time. Now, God didn't cause it. I don't want to be misunderstood here. God didn't cause it. But no doubt he's using it. There will be pestilences, we're told. Jesus said, these things will increase. Well, this pestilence is not something that's unique to the United States or unique to China. It's unique now to no one. Everybody is sharing it. I just read in the news yesterday that that um, th- there's a, another outbreak that's going wild in in the UK. Um, but right now, everybody is afraid of the same thing, and nobody is left out. All over the world, they're dealing with this one thing. Uh, I think we see the rise in false prophets, false teachers. Jesus, whenever he was asked by his disciples, when are these things going to happen? He, he would always say, and this was always curious to me, especially as a new believer, he said, watch out for false prophets. They've always been among the church from the very beginning, but watch out for the increasing frequency of false prophets. And, and I think this is critical, the increasing acceptance of what those false prophets have to say. I mean, if you look around at the biggest churches in the United States, most of them are taught by false teachers. And we just clap and we shout amen and hallelujah. But but yeah, people won't listen for the truth. Paul writes that they'll gather around themselves teachers to scratch their itching ears. And we see that. We see doctrine being thrown away. We see our Bible under attack. Yeah, I think Jesus is coming back. In addition to that, we have these uh, natural phenomenon. I mean, we're, we're way past the end of the hurricane season and, and we've still got hurricanes bearing down right now in South Texas and, and in the Gulf of Mexico. Um, there's a lot of damage being done. Houston, I'm told, my friends there, is underwater again. I think God's trying to get our attention that the return of Jesus is near. I just did a study, Anonymous, a couple of weeks ago in 2 Timothy chapter 3 where it begins with Paul 
exhorting Timothy, mark this, in the last days. And the emphasis there is on the last of the last days, just before Jesus returns. There will be perilous times. And he describes the world that we live in right now. People we love as themselves and not lovers of God. Without natural affection. And there's a long list of descriptions there. And that's the world that we live in. The love of many will grow cold. I look around the world locally, and by that I mean in the United States, and we see utter lawlessness being condoned and in some cases affirmed in the major cities, in some of the major cities in our nation. People are running with impunity, breaking windows, robbing things, burning things. The rebellion against authority, police officers being shot out in the open and others applauding it hoping they die. And you can see that on the news. So all of that to say, yeah, I I believe that we're approaching the return of Jesus, and I believe with all of my heart that it could happen at any moment. So um, keep looking up. I look at the eastern sky. First thing, I go out my door. First thing, I look at the eastern sky. Now, yesterday and today, there was a lot of clouds. I didn't see the sun, but I know he's there even when it's cloudy. And I think it's going to get really cloudy before Jesus comes. I think we're in that time. Good question. 340-9585. We'd love to have your live calls and questions. Here's a question from Danny. He says, The Bible says there will be a falling away in the church before Jesus comes. Is that what's happening now? And what will it look like? Well, the falling away, that's one translation. Apostasy is another But it really is the great apostasy when people are falling away from God. They're falling away from sound doctrine. Um, And and we're watching that happen now, Danny. Um, So, yes, it is happening now. And I think what it looks like is what churches look like now. Now, I don't want to beat this up. I talked about it uh, a lot last week in response to some questions we had. But, But think about it this way. All over the country, there are churches who are closed because the government told us we couldn't meet. Now think about that for a moment. The pillar and foundation of the truth, the home for hope, and it's closed. Is it any wonder that our streets are covered in lawlessness? The church closed. Danny, we missed Easter this year. Virtually, we, we had a study I had, I think that, that Sunday, Easter Sunday, we had eight people in our sanctuary. And those are only the people necessary to do worship and, and run the video and the, and, the, and the audio for the service. We missed Easter, the most important day on the church calendar. And we let a faithless government take that away from us. I think not only are we falling away, but the reference earlier to Jesus saying, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? We're falling away from the faith. Our faith isn't as important as we once believed it is. The people that have been out of church since this pandemic started, the end of February, early March, most of those people, many of those people will never set foot in the church again. They've gotten used to it. It's easier. It's more convenient. Truth is, it was never really that important to them in the first place. They just weren't aware of it. And then when we so easily cave in, just because local authorities tell us we have to, it's an amazing thing to me. So yeah, Danny, I think not only will there be a falling away before Jesus comes, I think that falling away is taking place right now. So yeah, falling away from the Lord, falling away from sound doctrine, falling away from faithfulness, and we'll rationalize it 
new spiritual terms. But look around, that's where we are. I know I said this with the other question, but Jesus really is coming soon. Here is a question from Donald. He says, Romans 11 says that all Israel will be saved, but then what about the Jews who reject Jesus? Um, Donald, there's a play in words in Romans 11. When he says all Israel, remember, Israel means governed by God. So all true Israel will be saved. That does not mean individual Jews are going to be saved. So all Israel will be saved, those who are truly governed by God. And as it relates to the nation of Israel, that which is true Israel, then when Jesus returns in the sky, I mean, if they haven't made a conversion of faith uh, before the rapture of the church, they will after. It means when they recognize Jesus coming in the clouds. Um, um, Zechariah talks about this, the prophet Zechariah. Um, true Israel will look and say, where did you get those wounds? And he'll say, I got these wounds in the house of my friends. And there will be weeping and wailing as never before because they'll realize two things. One, they murdered their Christ because they didn't recognize him when he came. So true Israel will but there's a lot of Jews who will not be saved. So the Jews that reject Jesus, their fate eternally is always the same as any unbeliever. They will spend eternity bound forever in torment. Let's go to a phone call. We've got Jimmy on line one. Jimmy, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hi, Pastor Ron. Can you hear me? How you doing? I can hear you. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Um, I was going to tell you, you know, you, well, you were explaining, well, I, I tried to explain that to a friend of mine that about First Thessalonians, how we're going to meet Christ in the air. And he thought, uh-huh. well, he thought it was, he thought it was, oh, that's the end of the world. I said, no, that's not the end of the world. That's when we're going to meet Jesus Christ in the air to go to the banquet wedding. And then, mm-hmm. and then this, Tribulation comes after that, and then he goes. He goes, and I said, "That's when the Antichrist appears, and that's when he's going to ask us to take the sign of the beast. He's going to ask people to take the sign of the beast, and there's going to be people that are going to take it. And there's the people who are not going to take it, and the ones who don't take it are going to get their heads chopped off. And it's in the Book of Revelations, right? And then he goes, he says, oh, that's false doctrine,' and I'm like, <laughs> oh. Dude, I'm like, I'm like, like telling you, I know it sounds like a a horror movie, right? It sounds like something, but it's true. It's in the, and I'm pretty sure it's in your it's in your Catholic Bible, right? I'm telling him like that. And he says, well, that's that's not, um, you know, we just need to focus on love. That, I don't think that's going to happen. I said, dude, really, I'm just trying to share. With, but I don't let anyone argue with you. I just got so frustrated. Yeah. And, and I said, I mean, I got really frustrated. And I said, you know, forget it. I'm not going to talk. I'm going to try to talk no more about it. Hey, Jimmy, it's, it, it's really hard when you care about people and and they're dishonest in their argument, you know, and, well, well, that's false doctrine. Well, well, where is it false? How about we turn to Revelation chapter 19 and I'll read to you what happens when Jesus returns. I mean, yeah. that's, that's, that's the end. That's the end of the world. And then he starts over with the, the, the remnant that comes out of the Great Tribulation. And then we've got a thousand years. But, but the people who live during the Great Tribulation, uh, the, the, the death, destruction toll is going to be unthinkable. And uh, you're right. If they, they don't want to know, we focus on love. Um, ask him how he's doing with that. What? And if he's, how he's doing with loving oh, people. Oh. Uh, well, the, 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 if he's honest, he'll tell you I'm not doing very well. Oh, did we lose Jimmy? Yeah, what I'm trying to say is, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. You were cutting out. Oh, what what I was trying to say to him, look, I'm not arguing with you. I love you. I love, I've known your family for years. And I, I, and I just want to, you know, share that with you. And I'm looking forward to it. I said, I am, you know, I am looking forward to 
going up with Jesus Christ in the rapture. And and because um, I know I do not want to stay here behind, and I I am looking forward to being with my Lord Jesus Christ in heaven. And yeah, he didn't say nothing, but and, you know because. They, they believe in apparitions, all right? They believe in apparitions are not even the Bible. Yeah. They believe apparitions yeah. are showed up and all this, and there's books about it. And I said, and I, and I have, I, I, I'm getting to a point where I said, there's no such thing as apparition. The closest thing that came to an apparition, maybe it's, it's uh, Samuel returning from the dead, and he wasn't supposed to return from the dead. So, you know. Yeah, that, yeah, that that wasn't an apparition, Jimmy. You you know what? I I I do believe in in visions, and and I think the apparitions are demonically inspired, and we know that because they deceive large numbers of people, and um, you know if 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 something says it's from God, we're so tested against the Word of God, and if it isn't consistent with the Word of God, then we know that the source of it was evil and not good. And unfortunately, wow. that's just some people want to be confused. I'm with you, Jimmy. I want to see Jesus face to face more than anything. Imagine him calling us by our new name. We've never heard it, but as soon as he says it, we'll know it's us. It'll be the voice that sounds like many rushing waters. We'll look into that face shining like the sun in all of its brilliance, and we will experience for the very first time the, the, the infinite love of our God. And, and having been removed from this wicked world. Now, that, that is not to say that when you say what you said to him or what, what I just said, uh, that, that's not to say that we, we don't love this world and we're trying to escape. What we're doing is we're focusing the work that God's asked us to do uh, in these last days because we want to be found being faithful when he comes. So, Jimmy, thank you very much. Good to hear from you as always. Keep praying for your friends. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. We're inside about four minutes for this half of the program. Here's a question from Dale. Uh, it says Pastor on Jonathan Collin has a new book out. Do you recommend it, uh, Dale? I don't recommend anything that was written by Jonathan Collin. Uh, his first bestseller, and sadly it was a bestseller, uh, was The Harbinger, and uh, it was based on a false premise. The the the, the foundation of his book was that. God has two covenant nations, of course, Israel, that much is true, but the other covenant nation God has is the United States of America, and that's just nonsense. And, and when you read that, that's the foundation of the book, when you read that, then you can immediately disqualify everything else, anything else that the Bible says, or that the book says. And so um, this was a successful book. Um, you know, these false teachers, they'll stoke, keep stoking the fire. And unfortunately, there will be people who um, who jump on the Jonathan Kahn bandwagon with this one as well. But no, I haven't read it, and uh, I, I don't intend to. It's just uh, it's just nonsense. Uh, when the Harbinger came out, uh, I got tons and tons of calls on the book, um, and it's just um, sensationalistic nonsense. That's all it is. And I had people get angry with me because they were so sure that this was the word from God. It contradicts what the word of God says. And so it's not something that I would ever recommend. So, Dale, don't read it, or at least if you do, uh, read it with a lot of discernment because, frankly, there's nothing of value in the book at all. i got to find a two-minute question. Here's what I can do from Cynthia. What is the difference between being filled with the Spirit and baptized in the Spirit? Cynthia, this is another question that I get quite, quite often. Uh, there's no difference, really. We, we use different words to describe the same experience. To be filled with the Spirit, the Greek word in the New Testament is epi, E-P-I, and it means that the power of God comes upon us and then comes through us. That's what it is to be filled with the Spirit. But to be baptized in the Spirit is the same thing. The word baptism just means to be completely and totally immersed uh, in, in, in God's Spirit. And so it's exactly the same thing. And depending on which church tradition you come from, you'll hear uh, filled with the Spirit, or another you'll hear baptized in the Spirit. Usually the more Pentecostal or charismatic churches, 
are the ones that will use the baptism, but it means exactly the same thing. And we get filled with the Spirit, baptized in the Spirit, Cynthia, when we give our hearts to Jesus Christ. One final thought, and the music is about to start. When uh, we are um, saved and we have all of God's Spirit that we need, um, there are often second experiences, sometimes very emotional experiences, with the Spirit as well. It's just like the Holy Spirit saying, Hey, I'm here, and, and then we can walk in the power of God. It's something you need every day. Not a one-time experience. Every day you need the fullness of God's Spirit. Hey, 630-5757 is our out-of-tone number. 340-9585. We'll be back in two minutes. If you have questions about the Bible, you can send them to Pastor Ron and he'll answer them on the air or reply directly to you. Email your questions to PastorRonKSLR at gmail.com. That's PastorRonKSLR at gmail.com. back to the word to stand on for life we're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll free 877-630-KSLR now here's pastor ron arbaugh welcome back to the second half of the tuesday show as as you could tell i got rushed at the end of the break and i really messed up the phone number so listen to john he's the guy that just announced with the right phone numbers we'd love your calls let's go to cindy calling on line one from San Antonio. Cindy, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hi, Pastor Ron. I, How are I've you? Been, oh, I'm, I'm doing pretty good, hanging in there. I'm tired of, the, of, of all of this, but, you know, the COVID <laughs> thing, but, you know, <laughs> it's just, I'll just sit at my sewing machine and try to sew more. Well, but, do me um, a favor. Don't, don't make any masks. That'll just make it worse. <laughs> I just got done with 84 of them, 25 are for kids and 54 for adults. And I'm putting that stuff away, and I'm going to have, I'm gonna, I've got some little goodies I want to work on now. <laughs> <laughs> make something happy. Yes. But anyways, I've been reading in the Gospel of John. Every time I read that Gospel, it just blows me away. It's so incredible. And where I was reading uh, the other day, yesterday morning, with my coffee time, is in John 4, and then verse 49 through 53, and I'll read it out, out of my NIV. It says, The royal official said, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus replied, You may go. Your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that the boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, The fever left him yesterday about the seventh hour. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, Your son will live. So he and all his household believed. And a part of that, there's two things on there, is that one, that must have been so incredible to have that happen. You know, <laughs> it, it's, it's amazing that in, in, you know, that time and age, and when you're in there, when you find out, wow, my son was healed and Jesus wasn't even in the, wasn't even in the neighborhood, and, and the boy got healed, and then that kind of led me into a rabbit hole of thinking about news and how the news, you know, got spread around about about things because they didn't have Fox News, they didn't have newspapers on the corner. So I guess it was kind of like people, you know, things happened, and then, you know, it would be spread around from person to person. So things would happen, and sometimes you wouldn't know till, till who knows how long later when something happened. And, and that just kind of led me on a thing of wondering, you know, about, about how, um, just how, how everything was, how, how news was spread around. <laughs> So that, that's kind of like the rabbit hole I was running around in. But, but I just think that's so incredible, you know, how, how that must have been for, for that to happen and then for the people to find out that the boy was healed and actually see him better. So that was kind of kind of it. And then there was one more thing about, and I don't know where the scripture on this is because it was just a question that was presented to me about where it says, um, the Father loves you because you loved me. Uh, 
Jesus was talking to people about how um, the Father loves them because they loved Jesus. Mm-hmm. If you'll comment on that, because I wasn't quite sure how the question was. But anyways, I'll get off the phone and listen to um, to you. Thank you, Cindy. I, I like the rabbit holes that your brain goes through. You know, I, this this is almost, the news spread about Jesus and the things he did so quickly that it was almost as if they had Twitter way back then. I mean, there was just nothing. There was always people watching Jesus. Um, the, the amazing thing about this, Jesus has just rebuked Jews. He says, unless you people see miraculous signs and wonders, you will never believe. And then he turns to the royal official, and this would be an official in, in, in Herod's court, most likely, and most likely a Jew. And then he does the very thing that he just rebuked them for wanting. The royal official came to him and said, my child is a desperate dad. Jesus hears that prayer. And, and at the exact time when Jesus said, your son will live, that's exactly what happened. The key in this whole passage, Cindy, is verse 50, where it says, the man took Jesus at his word and departed. He believed. Faith comes by hearing. He heard the word of God and he believed and God is a rewarder of faith. He always has been and always will be. Now, uh, the other thing I think that's important about this miracle is that he, um, um, this was the second miracle that Jesus did. First one, of course, was in Cana. This was the second. And this was like Jesus being announced. You know, when you watch a, uh, a, a comedian or something, there's always somebody who announces him. Well, well, Jesus just announced these miracles are coming because I am the one that my Father promised. I am the one. And I just, I just love this. The other one, I think what you're referring to is John chapter 17, Cindy, when Jesus um, was praying, talking to his Father, and he said, Father, you have loved them just as you have loved me. Why? Because they believed. And that's a staggering thing to consider. He loves me. And I'm, I'm, I'm pretty unlovable most of the time. He loves me in exactly the same measure that he loves his son Jesus. And at some point, he made a choice between Jesus' life and mine, and he chose mine. It's a staggering thing. That's why, Cindy, we ought to spend a lot of time reading in John, especially John chapter 17, but really the whole upper room discourse uh, from 14 through 17, um, and at least until the time they leave and go out into the Kidron Valley. Um, it's so rich, so rich. Good question, Cindy. Thank you very, very much. And I was teasing with you about the masks. Thank you for your faithfulness and your willingness to serve others. Here is a question from Edward. This is the one I didn't have time to do at the end of the second half, or first half. Edward says, How involved do you think Christians and churches should be with regard to political activism uh, Edward, I think we ought not to be involved hardly at all. Uh, I will encourage our people to vote. Um, I won't tell them how to vote. I won't endorse a candidate. Um, you see, our kingdom is not in this world, and politics is not the way we're going to solve the problems in this world. Now, it's 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 fine to have your preferences, it's fine to be involved as long as you keep your kingdoms in priority. Um, it's perfectly acceptable to have opinions as long as you can can do so in love and without acting as though you hate the people on the opposite side of the political spectrum from you. But remember, Edward, the church's job is to equip the saints for the work of ministries. It comes directly from Ephesians chapter 4. And so our job is learning about Jesus. My job isn't to, 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 to 
give my opinions about the things that are going on in the world. No, I get an opportunity, Edward, to do that. When we're talking, I, I we, we just finished Paul um, in uh, at the end of Second Timothy chapter three, and it, we're talking about the return of Jesus, and the world is 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 literally going to hell. Um, so I get an opportunity to say, hey, we're in the last days. Let's go out and, and, and make the most of every opportunity, redeem the time. And if we'll do that, um, you know, you can talk about the way things are. Um, I've had an opportunity during this whole COVID quarantine situation this year. I've had the opportunity to tell people, look up, your redemption draws near. But um, when we've got precious time at church, it's got to be the Bible, the Bible, the Bible. And if you teach it, uh, explain it, and then apply it, you're equipping the people for the work of ministry. So, Edward, frankly, we just shouldn't be very involved. Individually, you can be as involved as you want to be. Just keep your kingdoms in the proper priority. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. I hope that answers your question, Edward. Thank you for doing it. Let's go to Ray on line one from San Antonio. Ray, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Hey, Pastor. Hi, Ray. Uh, I have a question. Uh, it seems like the big topic today has been about the rapture and everything, uh, and it's a question about the rapture as well. Okay. Um, is, is every saved Christian going to get caught up or is there going to be any Christians saved that are going to get left behind? Good question. The answer, Ray, is everybody who's really born again, everybody who's been washed by the blood of Jesus, is going to be called home to be with, with the Lord. Um, in an instant, in the twinkling of an eye. Now, there are some who will say, no, if you're backsliding or if there's unrepentant sin, you're, you're not going to be uh, raptured with the faithful believers. But remember, positionally, when, when we're forgiven of our sins, we're forgiven of past, present, and future sins. And so there's no partial rapture, believers, real believers. It's also important to understand that there's a whole bunch of people running around this world, Ray, who, who think they're saved, and they've got others convinced they're saved, but they've never really given their heart to Jesus. Uh, if you ever watched the movies or read the book in the Left Behind series, and I'm not advocating that that is an accurate description of the rapture of the church, but but one of the one of the great depictions in there was an assistant pastor uh, of the church that was the center of the story, and um, everybody else was gone, but he was still there, and he was pouring his heart out. I taught your word. I knew your word. I told people I knew you. I gave good sermons. And and he said, I was a phony. I was a fraud. And there's a lot of people, Ray, who are are um, frauds. Now, some are aware of it, and others are not. And they're going to be left behind because they didn't really know Jesus. They knew about him, but they didn't know him. But the rapture is going to apply to everybody who's who's born again, and those who are um, younger than the age of accountability, uh, we will all be caught up to be with Jesus in the air in an instant. And I can't wait for that time. Thanks for the question, Rain. I'll take rapture questions all day long. 340-9585, Gerald asks, uh, my question about Isaiah 53.5, does this apply to our physical healing and does God guarantee healing today. Gerald, Isaiah 53, 5 has nothing whatsoever to do with physical healing. As is often the case, the New Testament um, interprets the Old Testament. And 1 Peter chapter 2, in verse 24, it says, um, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness, righteousness by his stripes or by his wounds, you have been healed. That's what we're cured from. 
That's the healing process. We're healed from the fatal disease of sin. The last verse in First Peter 2 says, For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of our souls. So the, the, the people, the churches that teach Isaiah 53, 5, and this is rampant, especially in health and wealth or prosperity churches, uh, oh no, we're guaranteed healing if you just believe enough. Isaiah 53, 5 has nothing whatsoever to do with physical healing. And in fact, the entire atonement has nothing to do with physical healing. Now, having said that, it is true that sometimes, not often, but sometimes God still does miraculous healing. We've seen what we believe to be miraculous healings here at Calvary Chapel. When doctors had given up, doctors sent people home to die. Um, nothing else anybody could do. And, and yet we continue earnestly in prayer. And they make these miraculous recoveries. Now, is that a miracle? I don't know. But, but the, the recovery is miraculous. So God still heals sometimes. But the idea that we can order or summon these miracles by just believing or shouting or having enough faith, we can't do it. And for the people that point to Isaiah 53.5, it demonstrates a complete um, inability to understand Scripture at its most basic level. I was listening to a, a radio program, a teaching program on the radio, um, I think two weekends ago, and there was this uh, preacher, I use the term loosely, who was commanding Christians to take authority over COVID-19. If we would just believe we could go into hospitals and empty people from the COVID units. If we just believe, but the church doesn't believe. And he was just telling us, you've got to believe more. I got this picture in my mind of a guy with his eyes closed and his fists clenched and sweat pouring off of him, trying to make himself believe in a See, that's, that's a, a, a sophomoric interpretation of Scripture. And that is not a, a preacher who's rightly dividing the Word of God. Isaiah 53.5 is a wonderful promise, but it has nothing to do with physical healing. The atonement does not promise or even mention physical healing in it. God still does heal sometimes. Paul's letter to the Corinthians talks about gifts, plural, of healing. And we're privileged to see those gifts of healing from time to time. But it has nothing to do with our faith. It has nothing to do with with Isaiah 53.5. Thanks for the question, Ray. appreciate it. Or that was Gerald. I'm sorry, not Ray. Here's an anonymous question. Is it wrong for me to want a baby now because I've had an abortion in the past? Please hear my heart here. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he, or in this case she, is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. So having an abortion, it was a sin. But when you gave your heart to Jesus Christ, that sin was wiped out as far from you as east is from west. Not only that, wanting a baby now, the desire to have a baby now, is a desire that God's put in your heart. So don't live in the past anonymous. Look forward to the future. Jesus, whatever day it was that you got born again, whatever day that you surrendered your heart to Jesus Christ and asked to be forgiven of your sins, he put his hand on yours and he began to lead you into a whole new life, a whole new path. And that's a path that evidently will include a baby. So no, it's not wrong to want a baby now at all. In fact, you're probably going to be the best mom ever because you'll understand what a gift this child will be from God. So please, please, please stop living in the past. Don't listen to the enemy. Romans 8.1 says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. All of your sins are thrown in the deepest, darkest ocean. Leave them there. 
and let Jesus bless you abundantly wherever it is he's going to lead you. Very important. The enemy is a liar. He's a thief. Understand what God has really done for you. So God bless you. Hope it works out. Hope you get the baby that you want. Walk with Jesus. You'll never be less than thrilled where you end up. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Here is another anonymous question. You know what? I'm going to take this one next. I want to give just a quick heads up if there are any parents out there with children listening to the program around them. Uh, The next question after the one I'm going to do now, um, the next question deals with a mature subject, and I don't want to not deal with the question, but just maybe send your kids to the other room. First question is this one from James. You've said many times that you're not a Calvinist. Are you an Armenian then? No, James, I'm not an Armenian at all. Um, Armenian, uh, Armenianism and Calvinism are two extremes, both distortions of the biblical balance as it deals with our soteriology. So uh, I'm certainly not a Calvinist. I think Calvinism is a blight upon the Christian church. It misrepresents the character of God, the heart of God, and that breaks my heart. But the same thing is true with the other extreme. The easy grace Armenians, you can lose your salvation, you can walk away from it, and, and uh, you know, uh, you just have to really, really be careful. Uh, the balance in Scripture is really um, what we need to focus on. The balance right in the middle. Whenever you're looking at, at extreme positions, you know you're out of balance and somewhere right in the middle is about balance. That's not a cop-out, James. Um... The Bible teaches balance in all things. So I hope that answers your question. Okay, we're inside of five minutes. Here's the question that was mature that I warned you about a moment ago. Uh, Anonymously, what does the Bible teach about masturbation? Uh, Anonymously, it it doesn't teach anything about masturbation, the the physical act. It doesn't say anything at all about it. Um, um, The Bible talks about lust, and the, the damage it does. The Bible talks about sexual purity. Um, the Bible talks about uh, the right use of sex within the confines of a marriage, a God-ordained marriage. That means a marriage between a man and a woman. Um, but honestly, the Bible doesn't teach anything about masturbation at all. Now, here's the problem. We have instant exposure to filth the telephones that we carry around, computers, our laptops. Your children can see things that when I was growing up, I couldn't even dream about seeing. And then that's just pure lust. And so if we are lusting and we act out on that lust, then yes, then then it's a sin. And I think we take this issue too lightly. I think when we... um, Take the boys will be boys attitude, and and masturbation is not just for boys, but but I think especially with with men. Oh, you know everybody does it. It's okay. It's normal. Um, when you're raising kids in a Christian home, you can't tell people it's okay, or you can't tell people it's normal. We've got to teach our children how to say no to their flesh before the flesh devours them. Your children, especially the teens, they're not equipped to deal with the enemy yet. And when they open that door, the enemy's going to pound and devour. The same thing is true for adults. You know, we're told that masturbation is just a healthy outlet. Uh, it's not. It, it just isn't. So, if your mind goes to lusting places, that's when you've got to say no to your flesh so that you can say yes to Jesus. Is it the worst thing in the world? No, there are lots of sins that are worse. But remember, sexual sin, by its very nature, gives Satan a deeper inroad to destroy us, a foothold. And, you know, we don't want to give the enemy a foothold. So, um, 
I suppose that if you could have healthy fantasies, um, husband and a wife separated, and um, um, one or the other was masturbating, thinking about their husband or their wife, um, you know, that probably wouldn't cross over into sin. But but it's something we really need to be careful of. Um, we got to treat our bodies. Flee from sexual immorality, the Bible says. we got to treat our bodies um, with the respect that God intended, not to act in passionate lust like the heathen do, Paul writes. So this is a really important subject, especially as we we uh, we raise kids. We don't want to embarrass our kids. At the same time, moms and dads in Christ have got to sit down and have these conversations with their children, boys and girls. We got to understand they're exposed to things that that when we were growing up we never imagined. And if we're going to equip them to live in this world, then they've got to understand the difference between being obedient to God and satisfying the lust of their flesh. And nothing good ever, ever happens from satisfying the lust of our flesh. Thank you for the question. Appreciate it very, very much. Hey, uh, good program today. We've been, you've been listening to The Word to Stand Them for Life. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Fall more in love with Jesus. Best choice you ever made. I'll see you tomorrow on AM 630 The Word. Bye-bye. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Calvary.